Hello everyone and welcome to The Wrap, brought to you by Michigan Medicine Headlines. I'm Dan Elman with the Department of Communication. Today we're going to make some history as we discuss Michigan Medicine's history with Dr. Joel Howell. Recently, Dr. Howell gave a Grand Rounds presentation on the history of the organization as Michigan Medicine celebrates the 150th anniversary of the opening of the first university-owned hospital in the U.S. Before we dive into that, take a swing through the archives of The Wrap and get caught up on anything you may have missed. You can find every episode on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other podcast hosting platform. New episodes debut weekly and can always be found as part of the headlines Week in Review. Now, as I mentioned, Dr. Howell recently gave a Grand Rounds presentation that outlined the past 150 years at Michigan Medicine. After his talk, I was able to catch up with him to discuss that and much, much more. Here's a look back at that discussion. First, Dr. Howell, thank you so much for taking the time out today and joining us. Now, you wrote the most recent book about the organization's history. How did you get into that and medical history in general? Well, I'm fascinated by history, and I love being a doctor. I would be less than insightful if I didn't also point out that my mother was a biologist and my father was a historian. Okay. So without really trying to, I've wound up with a career that combines their two careers. (laughs) That's fascinating. Now, what happened here 150 years ago that was a first for American healthcare? 150 years ago, medical schools didn't take care of patients. Every medical school in the country had students sitting in lecture halls listening to lectures. And for the first time ever in the United States, the University of Michigan made the decision to own and operate its own university hospital. Okay. Now, so that, that, that begs the question, clearly the medical school already existed, right? So when did the U of M Medical School come into existence? The University of Michigan Medical School was mandated by the state legislature in 1837. When they formed the university, they said, you must have a medical school attached to it, which was a surprising decision for to insist on for a state out on the edge of the frontier to run a medical school. The medical faculty eventually gathered in 1848, and in 1850, uh, the medical school admitted its first class. Were there any other sort of notable firsts for education and research as you move forward? Absolutely. Uh, Perhaps the, the most notable is that we were the first major American medical school to admit women. And the the regents decided in 1870 that anybody who was a resident of the state could attend school, uh, which included women. And um, since we've now, after a long road, come to a situation in which roughly half of the medical students uh, around the country and at the University of Michigan are, in fact, women, I think we should be very proud of the fact that we were the first major medical school to do that. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the major themes, you know, when the first... University Hospital opened, it was really a converted professor's house, correct? Correct. So there wasn't much capacity to see patients there. 20 beds. (laughs) So then they grew when patient care growth, you know, took place. They grew to a bigger hospital, eventually moving up to Old Main Hospital, um, and then University Hospital here now. Um, Can you talk a little bit about sort of the growing demand for our care and even how that sort of fits into what we're still dealing with today in 2019? The demand for care comes from a variety of factors. For one thing, we were a state university. This was a state hospital. And when we initially opened the hospital, the idea was that the care would be free for all residents of the state. Okay. So we were a place where people came to get their health care. Because the primary purpose of the university was education and because the hospital was created uh, to serve that purpose, it was important that we have enough patients to see. Mm -hmm. And Ann Arbor was a small town. 
and continues to be a relatively small town. Mm -hmm. So we have grappled throughout our history with how do we obtain uh, enough people to come to the hospital. And one of the solutions that was proposed, although it was not taken, was that we take the entire operation, pick it up lock, stock, and barrel, and move into Detroit. Interesting. And that never took place, huh? That never took place. Uh, there were some very nasty fights about it. People lost their jobs about it. Uh, in one case, the department chair went up to Lansing to lobby the legislature not to give money to the university. A fairly bold move. He defied the regents to fire him, so they did. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so, but now, even now, um, you know, there's all these new um, programs and partnerships and affiliations throughout the state, right, that Michigan Medicine is entering into. So it really just is a continuation of this growth of patient demand. That's, exa that's exactly right. Um, aided uh, in, in part by improved transportation. Uh, gotcha. It's possible now to be a patient up in Midland and come down to the University of Michigan for your care. Uh, if you tried to do that in an era before automobiles, uh, it would, and you had to do it on horseback, that would be a lot harder. Yeah. But uh, we can do that. We can also work remotely. Uh, with telemedicine, uh, we're able to help provide care all around the state. And so we're able to have an, a network that encompasses many, many more people than simply the city of Ann Arbor. So now that's looking to the future. Obviously, as a medical historian, this question will have a personal stake in it. Why is it so important to look back, right, and sort of learn from our past? Well, I, I think that looking back does a number of things for us. For one thing, it demonstrates to us that things change and that things are not inevitable. We didn't have to have a university hospital here. We don't have to train physicians the way we do. The reason we have things the way they are today is that people made choices. People made choices for reasons. And if we can unpack the reasons behind their choices, this does two things for us. One is it liberates us to see the possibility of change in the future. Mm -hmm. It, we, we don't have to see the world today as being stuck the way it is today. We can accept the fact that it's going to change. We can also see that medicine and healthcare and the hospitals are all part of the larger society. So as society changes, so too we will change. And we can't separate ourselves out, and I think that's also an important point. So instead of looking at the bigger picture, let's look a little bit more micro. What is your favorite sort of factoid from the first 150 years of university-owned hospitals here in Ann Arbor that you would want our listeners to take away? My favorite factoid is really the central focus of this, of this Grand Rounds, which is clearly the idea of a university hospital was in the air because of the fact that once we started you know, with the first university hospital, so many universities followed in our footsteps. If you were going to look around in 1869 and try to predict where you're going to see this kind of an innovation, you're probably going to look to the big cities, which have lots of people and lots of money and lots of connections with, with Europe, which is where a lot of the research is going on. And I'm thinking maybe Boston, maybe New York, maybe Philadelphia. But to happen here in Ann Arbor, in a sleepy little town out on the frontier, that's, that's pretty remarkable. I'd like to thank Dr. Howell for taking the time to discuss the organization's history. If you want to learn more about Michigan Medicine's 150th anniversary of their university-owned hospital, be sure to stay tuned to Headlines on Monday, December 16th for a feature story and photo gallery. That can be found at mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. Now, as for this week at Headlines, readers learned the artwarming story and watched a great video about six-year-old Colton McGowan. 
Colton is a pediatric oncology patient here at Michigan Medicine. And while staying at Mott Children's Hospital, he found out he had a love and ability to become a talented painter after meeting with the organization's child life specialist. It's a remarkable story with a happy ending, as Colton has now been declared cancer-free following four chemotherapy treatments. Also at Headlines, faculty and staff got a look inside fire safety training sessions recently carried out in the organization's operating rooms, Michigan Medicine Laboratories gave insight into their work, and employees were recognized for making a difference in November. Find all those stories at mmheadlines.org. With that, it's time for the Employee Perk of the Week. This week's episode is all about history, so here's a deal that will help you make some history of your own. If you're looking to buy or sell a home, Monroe Real Estate offers all Michigan Medicine employees a 22% commission rebate. The rebate is effective whether you're on the buying or selling side of a home purchase. Visit MonroePros.com mcard for more information. That's MonroePros.com slash mcard. And be sure to note that Monroe is spelled M-U-N-R-O. For more exclusive deals just like that one, go to mmheadlines.org and search Employee Perks. Okay, it's trivia time. Last week, we asked listeners, which school district did Michigan Medicine partner with to help carry out the Tinkered Toy Box program? The answer is the Washtenaw Intermediate School District. Congratulations to Cindy Danko, who sent in the correct answer. Cindy, a member of the Department of Communication, will be in touch shortly to help you claim your prize. This week's question is... Michigan Medicine is celebrating the 150th anniversary of what milestone? Once again, Michigan Medicine is celebrating the 150th anniversary of what milestone? Once you know the answer, send it to headlines at med.umich.edu for the chance to win a great prize. And everyone who sends in the correct answer will automatically be entered into a raffle to win an Amazon Echo. Finally, it's time to help you park. We know parking on the main medical campus can be a challenge, so each week we'll give you a tip or resource that will make your life just a little bit easier. With the official start of winter just around the corner, did you know that Michigan Medicine Security can give you a ride back to your car if you're still at the hospital after the shuttle stop running? To take advantage of this free, safe, and warm escort service, call Security Dispatch at extension 67890. That's extension 67890. That's all the time we have for this week. If you want to check out more great content just for Michigan Medicine employees, be sure to follow the Employees at Michigan Medicine Facebook page. Thank you to Dr. Howell for joining us today, and thank you to all of our listeners for everything you do for patients, families, and each other. And that's a wrap.